And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's web, radio.com. Coming at you another beautiful day, great day to, to be an American. We've got this little thing called elections coming up. It's the uh, beautiful part of being in a constitutional republic is uh, for those of you who say we should have term limits, the people that say we don't say that we have them every time you have an opportunity for an election. And uh, as we've seen... Things can be quite unpredictable this year. Out of 17 Republican candidates for president, Donald J. Trump has emerged as the uh, presumptive Republican nominee. There are still some rumors circulating about uh, third-party candidates. Uh, we actually do have a third party. It's called the Libertarian Party, and they are actually having their uh, uh, some kind of debate coming up with uh, Penn uh, Gillette from the old show Penn & Teller, which... Uh, that should be pretty interesting because I actually saw a poll yesterday from the state of New York, not exactly a bastion of conservatism, although with as many people as they do have, they do have a fair share of uh, conservatives and freedom lovers in that state. Uh, it said that unsure was out polling both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And that's in New York, folks. Hillary Clinton's adopted home state, Donald Trump's home state. And I'm not sure where unsure is from. David, is he from Parts Unknown, or is it a she? The unsure. I don't know. But basically, they were given three choices on this ballot, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or unsure. And unsure is out polling them. So there's that. I would think that that's a great opportunity for the Libertarian Party. Or there's another one called the Constitution Party, the Green Party. There are actual third parties going on that a lot of people aren't aware of. Libertarian Party is probably the most well-known out of those. Uh, their front runner would probably be former New Mexico Governor Gary. Johnson. Um, I've been in touch with uh, several libertarian groups and uh, spoken at several events, and he seems to be the uh, consensus of somebody that's a viable option. So, before Bill Crystal and company get a Romney Rubio ticket going, you may want to take a look at that option as well, or just go with the good old-fashioned none of the above. We, uh, we've seen the Republican Party start to adopt uh, Donald Trump. Most of them have started to come on board the Trump train, if you will, um, and his negatives seem to be dropping a little bit. So it remains to be seen if he's able to moderate his... Uh, his campaign rhetoric, or if he does moderate it, if that actually impacts him. We have seen a little bit of softening on some of the issues that had uh, really gotten him a strong plurality in many of the states, and uh, once he swept the northeastern states and then beat one in Indiana, that caused Ted Cruz and John Kasich to drop out, and the rest, as they say, is history. So we're going to move on to some more local matters here. Uh, in the state of Georgia, we have Republican primary coming up on May 24th. Uh, a lot of folks think they already voted this year. March 1st was the presidential uh, preference primary in which Donald Trump got about 38% of the vote and uh, Rubio and Ted Cruz tied at 25% each. Um, on the local level, there's uh, there's Senate race going and there's also... Uh, the governor's race is not up for election this year. And there's also a myriad of local elections going on. In fact, more than 30 races, I believe, have contested primaries in the Republican side and a few on the Democrat side. So we are seeing the natural flow of term limits come in. And uh, one of my guests today, I have Ginger Howard, who's running for national committee woman, uh, which would deal with the Republican National Committee. She'll be joining us a little bit later. But right now I have Lane Flynn, a candidate for House District 81, who is live with us and going to talk about his campaign and some of his ideas to uh, 
to help his local district and to keep Georgia as the best place to do business in, as referenced by many uh, publications. So, Lane, welcome to Greg's List. How are you today? Uh, doing well, Greg. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. So you're a first-time candidate. Um, what exactly made you decide to jump in the fire, if you will, and uh, give up all your weekends so you can go do door-to-door campaigns? Uh, well, uh, my wife and I have lived in District 81 uh, for the past several years. We came up here from uh, Buckhead to start our family. Uh, so now we live uh, right behind Henderson uh, Middle School with our two beautiful young daughters. And uh, I also am a small business owner with a, a warehouse and office space in DeKalb County. And we came here because we thought it would be a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Uh, I've been working on local and state level uh, GOP issues as a volunteer for a number of years. And naturally, when we got into DeKalb, I wanted to continue that work and uh, see what we could do to make uh, our area of the county and of the state better. And what we ran into was just a terrible level of uh, bureaucracy and and even corruption and and criminal activity on the part of some of the DeKalb County government. So I became involved in some of the the cityhood efforts as a way to both uh, shrink the overall amount of government that we have by taking some power out of the inefficient bureaucratic county government and putting it into smaller local accountable governments and... Uh, some of those efforts have succeeded, and I think the citizens who live in those areas have, have really reaped the benefits of that uh, in terms of both their levels of taxation going down and their levels of uh, services going up. Uh, and unfortunately, the particular area that I lived in um, uh, had, had a few more complications with that process, and, and we did not uh, pass that uh, cityhood bill for our area. Um, but I also realized that a lot of these issues had been done sort of sort of piecemeal. They were grassroots efforts, which is great, but uh, to achieve a comprehensive solution for the county, you're, you really need leadership coming out of the General Assembly, coming from the uh, DeKalb delegation. Uh, we've got a, uh, a long-term state senator, Fran Miller, who worked on many of these issues and I think has just kind of gotten to the point where he feels that he's done all that he can uh, in that regard. Uh And our our current house rep, uh, Scott Holcomb, has allowed some of of those bills to go through, but he's also kind of gone back and forth in terms of eliminating the DeKalb CEO position, which is a a critical issue. It's it's one of the first places we need to start for reform. Uh, And so I just didn't see anybody either in in my primary or in, in office currently who's ready to take the leadership uh, role in terms of reforming the county and bringing some of that uh, government down to a more local, uh, accountable level. So mm-hmm. that's re- that's really what pushed me over the line from working behind the scenes, lobbying at the Capitol as a private citizen mm-hmm. and volunteering for campaigns, to deciding to jump in myself and try and take action. Yeah. And uh, how's the experience been? What uh, are some of the surprises you may have uh, faced, and uh, has um, has it lived up to all of your expectations? Well, it's it's certainly been an eye opener. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work. We've we've been out uh, certainly every every waking moment of the weekends and as much during the week as we can, knocking on doors, meeting one on one with uh, the citizens of District 81, hearing their concerns, sharing our message, listening to what they want to uh, accomplish. Uh, however much work I might have thought it would be going in, it's more than that. Uh, but but that's okay. It's it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take uh, somebody with with some some perseverance to start turning things around uh, 
in the General Assembly uh, if I get there. So this is this is definitely good practice. But yeah. it's really been great uh, meeting the citizens. We've gotten a great response from a lot of the people that we've talked to. I think we really have identified that uh, local reform is the key issue for our district. Uh, people are certainly also concerned about the economy, jobs, business growth. Mm-hmm. As a small business owner, I, I understand uh, those concerns very well, and right. that's certainly another area that I am planning to work on. But that's really what we hear from the, the citizens who've been great and, and very supportive of our campaign is they want cab fixed, and they want uh, business and economic growth to continue to come to the region, and, and those are the, the two areas that I think I can really differentiate myself yeah. from everyone else in the race by saying this this is what I'm focused on and it's gratifying to hear the citizens want the same things. Yeah. Well, it, it's a unique district because uh, DeKalb is one of the metro Atlanta uh, counties. It's pretty developed. I know I say pretty developed for the most part. Uh, it, it's 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 got an urban area. It's certainly got a. Uh, um, a couple of airports in it, and it's also got a lot of uh, smaller cities, which you mentioned the municipal effort. But uh, your area in particular has PDK Airport, which is one of the largest, if, if I, th- I believe it's the second largest or second busiest airport in the state. And it also has this area up near the old uh, General Motors plant in Doraville that is a former GM plant where they basically put together cars. It's been um, barren and an eyesore for almost a decade. And it seems to me we have a novel area where we have this uh, very important uh, uh, airport that can be bringing in a lot of uh, business owners and an area that is certainly desirable for developers and in town. So to me, it's you've got, you've got a pretty unique opportunity uh, to not only be job creation, or not only job creation, but also increase the tax base that would eventually help the schools. Sure, and, I, and I'll touch on both of those issues. Yes, uh, DeKalb Peachtree Airport uh, in Chambly is right in the center of our district. It is the second busiest airport in terms of aircraft movements in the state. Uh, it brings over $800 million annually of economic benefit to the region uh, and is not only a small business owner but the only licensed pilot in the race. I think I have a unique perspective on how business and general aviation can work with each other, and, and I certainly want to bring the benefits of general aviation to the local businesses, as well as uh, bring uh, businesses into general aviation, show them how uh, that aviation can help them grow and expand mm-hmm. and bring in new new businesses. The, the second point that you touched on uh, has been something that's been fairly controversial lately, the uh, site of the former GM plant in uh, Doraville. Uh, which happens to be just over the line and outside of my district, but of course is a representative of the area and of citizens of, of DeKalb and, and Gwinnett County. You know, huge economic developments are very important to me. Um, the the current plan for that area, which has sat empty for almost a decade, is is uh, what's called a CAD, which would be uh, it would allow private investment to come in. It would not be the use of public money. But for a, a period of time, uh, any public investment strictly in terms of infrastructure, literally getting roads and public transit to that location, uh, would be paid back by extra tax dollars uh, that are generated by the development. The base taxes would still get paid to the county. The base taxes would still get paid to the city. The base taxes would still get paid to the school district. In other words, none of these, none of the groups who currently tax that property would get one penny less than they're currently getting. And once the development has paid back its initial costs from the uh, 
ex- the um, enhanced tax revenues, then the the district and the county and the city benefit not only from the the huge amount of growth and investment that you get by by building out this brownfield into a, a livable and and workable community. But you also have the, the direct uh, tax revenues and indirect tax revenues from new people moving into the district. It's really a win-win-win um, for both the citizens uh, as well as the uh, local governments. Uh, it's currently being held up a little bit by uh, certain folks on the school board. It's already been passed and supported by the uh, county commission as well as by Doraville. But uh, it's certainly something that, that I support. It, it brings in a lot of important yeah. issues, economic growth and jobs, as well as education and uh, development. And it, it really wins on all those fronts. Yeah, so I will certainly do what I can to support that. And it's something that I've pointed out um, yeah, many times before, but I won't ever hesitate to say it, is that uh, a lot of people look at big government or these this term of evil government at a federal level. But... You can easily find that big government evils or big government largesse exists at local government levels, and that can really impact people a lot more on their day-to-day lives than uh, some of these uh, federal boondoggles that we've seen and complain about because this area that uh, we're speaking about in the PDK and the whole kind of the North DeKalb uh, Spaghetti Junction area is a critical artery for uh, the economy of uh, not only Atlanta but but the whole state of Georgia. And uh, I wanted to touch base with you a little bit about the nature of DeKalb and how important it may be to to look at some bipartisan measures to get some of these things through because for so long the – you had these polar opposites where Democrats and Republicans can't seem to get along with each other. And uh, I think in, in this area, it's critical that they actually do for the improvement of people. We'll be back in a couple minutes on Gregsus. Thanks for listening. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, 
and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's Aside, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We've seen some major polarization at the federal level between Republicans and Democrats. They can't really seem to uh, get anything productive passed. And then these monstrosities like the Omnibus Bill pass at the last second because President Obama has shown a willingness to not only shut down the government, but not pay our troops, to close down the national monuments, to close down the White House, and to make the negotiation problem as painful as possible just so he can fund some of his specialized programs like Planned Parenthood. And who knows where this new thing is going to go, where uh, uh, the, uh, the assault with a dangerous bathroom issue coming up. But that's what frustrates so many people is that we can't seem to solve problems on a federal level. Well, there is hope, folks. There is hope that on the state levels, which I will say Republicans control 31 out of 50 state legislatures in the top 10 uh, growth states, seven of them are controlled by Republican governors and legislatures. On the state level, the Republican Party seems to be pretty effective. Um, and, you know, Lane Flynn running for House District 81, which is a, uh, a purple district, one of the only competitive districts between Republicans and Democrats in the state of Georgia, is uh, running against an incumbent Democrat who, frankly, has really not been very effective. It may be hard for somebody to be uh, effective if the Republican, if there's such a divide between Republicans and Democrats. But how do you think you'll be able to bridge that divide uh, if you're elected state rep and, and be a more effective leader than their current uh, and than the current incumbent? Well, from a matter of, of effectiveness, it is the fact, as you said, that Georgia is a, a very heavily majority Republican state, and it becomes a lot easier to accomplish things for your district when you're on the side of the majority party, not on the side of the very small minority party. But I also recognize that we are in a, a district that's very purple. It's, it's urban, diverse. We, we have very large uh, Hispanic community, very large Asian community that we're making uh, outreach uh, efforts to, to to include them. And beyond the state level, uh, I, I started my campaign uh, with the goal of reforming DeKalb County. And on a county level, uh, the government leans very, very heavily uh, Democrat. Uh, and the DeKalb delegation currently to the, the state house is very uh, Democrat. But I'm not going to start off from day one saying I'm only going to listen to people who are Republicans and you're automatically rejected and ignored mm-hmm. if you're a Democrat. That's just not a way to get things done. I want to sit down with people who maybe have different ideas for me, who are on the other side of the table for me, and say, here's the big picture. Here are the reforms that we want to accomplish. I, I, should, I would think that reform and reducing corruption and, and improving the level of service and improving the schools of our children – is not a red versus blue thing. That really should be nonpartisan, bipartisan, all partisan. I mean, everybody should want that. Uh-huh. So, I fully intend to sit down with the DeKalb delegation and to do the same thing with the um, DeKalb County Commission, both of which are controlled uh, by Democrats, and say, "Look, here's what we want to accomplish." 
how can we get there? What do you need from me? I'm I'm in the majority party in, in Georgia. Maybe we can you know work to accomplish these reforms in a way that's palatable to you. Let's come together and find solutions instead of butt heads because we're from different parties. I've always believed that, and that's how I intend to lead uh, in the House of Representatives. Yeah. Well, and it seems to me that uh, since the state of Georgia can't print money, unlike the feds, uh, a lot of the 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 infighting that you see is um, it doesn't exist at, at quite the level. Uh, in the state of Georgia. In fact, most of the uh, folks at the General Assembly, they personally get along with each other fine. It's on some of the policies. And one of the biggest uh, policies that we've seen uh, kind of a digression of opinion is how to fund education and the HOPE scholarship. And some of these events are going to come up to you. And again, improving educational outcomes is a bipartisan or a nonpartisan or a hyperpartisan uh, or should in- include both uh, parties and all schools of thought that want to achieve a better outcome. It's just how you get there. And uh, as we were talking off air a little bit, when uh, you're paying your property taxes for your home, the lion's share of that goes to the public school system. And in Georgia, we're ranked 49th uh, out of 50 or 57 states. If you ask Obama, uh, we'd be 56 in that category. We're ranked towards the bottom in public schools here. But in the metro Atlanta area, we have some of the top performing schools in the state. So uh, what are some of the things we can do to kind of narrow that divide uh, between, I guess, it's almost a rich and poor uh, divide where you have some of the rural counties in Georgia, which simply don't have the resources or the economic engines, uh, job creating engines in them to have enough um, income uh, coming in and some of the urban areas where maybe the parental involvement isn't uh, as strong as it should be. You know, what are some of the things that uh, Republicans can push that uh, will really help uh, move the needle in education? Sure. Well, you know, Governor Deal has said that he he's planning over the next uh, two-year term to uh, bring in some very, very serious fundamental educational reform, and I look forward to working with him on those Concepts. You know, you're you're right. When education is funded by property taxes, you ended up having uh, areas that are maybe more well off, bring in more money, and and able to fund certain programs better. And areas that are less well off, maybe not having the same level of funding. At the same time, we as Republicans recognize that the solution to any problem is not automatically to throw more money at it. I mean, we can look at the Washington D.C. public school system, which spends more money per student than any public school and most private schools in the country. I mean, it's on the order of $20,000 a student and has some of the worst educational outcomes anywhere. Uh, You're also right that, of course, parental involvement is uh, a hugely important deal. But I think without throwing money at the problem, we we can certainly find ways where where money is being wasted. DeKalb County is is a great example. They're... they're, um, in, in looking at the uh, numbers for DeKalb County, the uh, school system employs something along the order of uh, 15,000 employees, and only about 6,400 of them are actual teachers. Now, of course, you <laughs> need administrators, you need custodians, and you, you need maintenance persons. I'm thinking of that but... movie Office Space, where <laughs> we interview hundreds of these uh, administrators and say, what exactly do you do here? Yeah, there there may be something like that. I find it hard <laughs> to believe that if, and, and it may be that we need more, more teachers, but if 6,400 teachers is the correct number yep. of teachers for DeKalb County, I find it hard to believe that we need another 8,600 people to manage them and to take care of the buildings. <laughs> I, I think there's probably money in there to hire more teachers, to pay existing teachers better, especially the teachers that show better outcomes, right. and, and to use that money uh, much, much more efficiently. Uh-huh. Uh, I also believe in educational freedom. 
Uh, I think parents should have the right to take their kids out of a school that is failing their children and move those children to a school that has a better chance of succeeding. And they should be able to take uh, some of their uh, the tax investment that goes to these failing schools with them. That doesn't mean automatically defund every every failing school. Uh, we do need to rework the way that the schools are funded in the first place. But uh, there there should be an incentive for schools to improve and, and bring in more students and, and get more funding. I also fully support uh, the creation of charter schools and alternative uh, types of education. There, Homeschooling, of course. Uh, certainly, if parents are willing to do that. As, as if, I, I believe I'm the only uh, person in my race who's a parent of two young children, so school uh, outcomes are, of course, incredibly important to right. me. Uh, it's very difficult for me to imagine... Um, the, the perseverance and effort that it takes for parents Just to homeschool. Take home them to school. your it's office. Bring your kids to work day, <laughs> every day. Now, you went to Vanderbilt and uh, majored in uh, engineering slash computer science with a minor in economics. Um, so, to me, some of this funding mechanism and, and these funding issues that you talked about have really um, affected or impacted uh, college level as well. And... I've always said, you know what, if you're majoring in ancient Sumerian poetry and working at Starbucks, don't complain to me about your student loans. Uh, the Hope Scholarship is always under pressure from the Democrats who want to say, we're not spending enough money, we need to take away uh, this benefit from the affluent children because their parents make too much money, and for some reason they think that that automatically means their parents are going to completely fund their children's education, and they, the Democrats always want to move it away from a meritocracy. And this is a point where the Democrats I do believe, uh, take a polar opposite tack than Republicans do. And I think that they are completely wrong, which is why I can speak with a little level of passion on this issue. So on uh, on this uh, Hope Scholarship issue, the funding mechanism for it's t- traditionally been the lottery. Um, what do you think uh, are some ideas to help keep that viable? I've personally thought that we need to look at what students are actually majoring in and adapt the scholarships to uh, what the, the, the uh, majors that are in demand right now are. Well, I, I think you bring up a, a great point. I think one of the major reasons that uh, costs for higher education have gotten so out of control, I mean, outpaced inflation by, by two or three times over the past couple decades, is because of the fact that students are getting essentially money for free so the schools can charge whatever they want. Now, that's not necessarily as much the, the scholarships, but certainly uh, grants and especially student loans that mm-hmm. are subsidized by the government. When the government says, you can borrow this money, uh, don't worry, banks, we'll cover you, so you know, don't run their credit, don't look at whether we're not they're gonna, majoring We're not going to underwrite it to see if it's a useful degree. Right. So the schools basically can charge as much money as they want that's not coming out of the student's pocket, and education costs have gone up so much that there's no hope for a student to you know, work a part-time job and pay his way uh-huh. through, through college. Uh, so I think you need to take some of that basically unlimited free money out of education and maybe maybe you don't uh, automatically uh, support every loan, and so 
the uh, uh, banks or the lenders actually uh-huh. look at what is this person studying, what are his or her grades, is this likely to be somebody who's going to you know, get gainful employment and is this going to be a performing and, loan? And if they want to study, as you said, ancient Sumerian poetry, <laughs> they can that. pay their own way, they can find a scholarship, they can find Maybe ancient find Sumerian <laughs> poets incorporated who says this is a great investment. Maybe we find 60% of it or something like that. I'm not saying that we ban all liberal art degrees. I think liberal art majors can be useful. It just depends on what the ROI, which is return on investment for you non-business savvy people out there, what the ROI is and what the cost is. Well, it's it's supply and demand. If you have fewer people uh, studying in these liberal art programs and, and getting degrees in areas that are not necessarily so high paying currently, you lower the supply and then there are fewer people going into it and the jobs that need them will tend to... Uh, pay more. That sounds so. like that economics degree talking there, buddy. <laughs> you sure you weren't didn't major in there instead of minoring? <laughs> well, but uh, well, listen, Lane Flynn, House District eighty one candidate, been a pleasure speaking with you today. And uh, elections coming up on May twenty fourth. Georgians, remember to get out and vote. You can still early vote up until Friday, uh, May twentieth, I believe, is the cutoff, and then May twenty fourth, all day seven to seven. Uh, the waits were going to be minimal. Everybody already thinks they voted this year, so uh, get out there and vote. Uh, your website is? It's laneflynn.com, L-A-N-E-F-L-Y-N-N.com. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. Ginger Howard, we're going to take things on a little bit of a national level, but still keep it Georgia red. And uh, see you in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Ginger Howard running for National Committee Woman. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. Got a, a really cool program today. We just finished speaking with Lane Flynn, uh, candidate for House District 81 and a uh, pilot and business owner. And uh, we're talking about some issues on the, the local level, which is always going to be uh, probably the most important to us. Um, unfortunately, in the first two years of the Obama administration, the liberal Congress and the liberal president passed a couple of major bills in relatively short time. Normally it takes, they always say, oh, it's going to take an act of Congress to get that moved. And in two years, we had a complete uh, destruction of the health care system as we know it. And also a, uh, a bill called Dodd-Frank, which a lot of folks don't, see, unless you have the view from 30,000 feet, it may not have impacted you on a daily basis. But you were starting to feel it, I believe, with less competition in mortgage lending communities banks are starting to consolidate into big ones. Big banks are starting to uh, move to automated systems as this fight for 15 and uh, uh, continues to raise uh, wages for all sorts of employees, raising wages, wage, it raises costs for businesses. So we've got to figure out it's kind of a dual-headed monster we're fighting, right? We've got stuff on the local level and then we've got stuff on the federal level. And from the Republican National Committee's perspective, they're worried mainly about things on the national level, and I'm uh, honored to be joined today by my friend and uh, former radio show host <laughs> here from the Freedom Five, Ginger Howard, who is running for national committee woman to represent Georgia with the RNC, and I uh, wanted to welcome you back to America's Web Radio. Ginger, how are you today? I'm wonderful, Greg. It's nice to be back in the chair at America's Web Radio. I miss it. I miss <laughs> this. It was so much fun just to voice our opinions and views and talk to wonderful guests about conservative values. So it's wonderful to be with you today. Yeah, Freedom 5. It was kind of the 5 before it became that Fox show, which is more like the 4 <laughs> exactly. and Bob Beckel or, or whoever the <laughs> sit-in liberal is for the day. But, uh, yeah, if they ever need a substitute, they can I, call me. Yeah, I, was about to say, I enjoyed waking up. That was a Monday morning, 9 a.m. That's show. right, bright and early. <laughs> a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, welcome back. Uh, National Committee woman. Um, you, who, who elects you for this? Tell tell the listeners a little bit about this. It's not a general election thing. You're not going to be voting on this on May 24th if you go to the polls here in Georgia. So tell us a little bit about the role, what you think the role of the uh, National Committee woman should be, and what will look like if you are our next committee woman. Thank you, Greg. I first want to start out about talking about what the Republican National Committee does, because a lot of people have gotten confused over that. Or disappointed. Or disappointed. Very good. Very good. (laughs) So, first of all, I want to talk about that, and then I'll talk about how I'm elected and what my role would be. The Republican National Committee has three main responsibilities, and they are, number one, develop and promote the GOP platform. That's our Republican platform. Number two, to coordinate fundraising and election strategy. And number three, to organize and run the Republican National Convention like the one coming up in Cleveland. Uh-huh. It does not do policy. It does not do so many other things that people get confused about. Okay. So those are the things that the Republican National Committee does. Now, it is made up of a me- members from each state, a committee man, a committee woman, and a chairman of the party. And and for our state right now, John Pageant is our chairman, so he's on the committee. Randy Evans is the committee man. He's done an amazing job. He is up for re-election. I do not believe he has any opposition. And then the seat of committee woman, which is being vacated this year by Linda Heron, so the mm-hmm. seat is open. The role of the committee man and the committee woman are to vote on the rules of the party, the resolutions. You've heard a lot about the rules mm-hmm. in the election with all that was going on with the nominating, right. the resolutions, the platform, the budget of the party, 
and the convention site and the chairman think we'll be voting again soon for a new chairman. Ranks Priebus is our chairman now. That is the role. What I see is the the main role for me is the communication between the grassroots and the National Party. Mm -hmm. I feel like there has been a huge disconnect, hence the rise of Donald Trump. I really believe that the people feel so out of touch with the National Party. And we need someone who has a pulse on the small business people. I have a small business pulse on the grassroots activists. I've been involved with the Republican Party for over 25 years Mm -hmm. in the state. And I really do feel like I have an ear to the ground. And I, I feel like the Republican National Committee has uh, lost touch a little bit with that. Now, you mentioned that it doesn't have um, much, if anything, to do with policy. Right. So this policy would be uh, things on a, a state level or a federal level, things like um, uh, funding certain mechanisms, the tax uh, policies, the tax protocols, Correct. a national defense. Correct. None of that no, would be under absolutely your Absolutely not. And I Absolutely think, I think not. people, do you think people maybe they that? Do, that is okay. exactly, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation, and I'm going to say it again tonight when I speak to the Georgia Repub- Young Republicans, because I think they get it wrong, not because they, they just don't know, they're not, they're not informed, mm-hmm. and I think one of my roles is to educate, to inform, to be that connector of this is exactly what we do and what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Heritage I think, I think Foundation. It's what we don't do is what I would uh, really emphasize because a lot of people, and, and you know, having run uh, local campaigns here mm-hmm. for the past few cycles, mm-hmm. we get bombarded with federal stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not, and it's not mm-hmm. that people are, uh, are, are idiots, although, mm-hmm. I mean, some are, frankly, but it's just that they, I think they've been inundated with so much uh, cable news and, uh, and frankly, social media can really rile people mm-hmm. up that when somebody comes on a local level or, or review it on the grassroots level, they think that you're going to solve all the world's problems. <laughs> Thank you, Greg, because I have some questions in front of me, and I was thinking about this. I, I wish I had that much power. I wish the committee woman had that much power. I'm not running for president. I'm running for committee woman. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things that we do is vote. Vote on those major issues, and that is one of the reasons I believe I'm the best choice, because I feel I I'm strong in my conservative values. I'm strong in my fiscal conservative values. Mm. I'm strong in standing up for what you believe in. And my tagline is Georgia's conservative voice to the RNC. And I think that that's important because voting is one of the main things that we do. Mm-hmm. But voting on voting, you, you mentioned rule. You alluded to rules changes, mm-hmm. and this is what a lot of the people got really upset about uh, during the uh, convention cycle this year, the district conventions, where uh, frankly the Ted Cruz uh, apparatus had a very organized ground game, and before uh, a couple. Of Tuesdays ago, when Cruz and Kasich uh, dropped out, Cruz was actively uh, working to win and active, actively working within the rules mm-hmm. to actually win on a second or third ballot at the convention. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the newcomers to the party that, uh, frankly, Donald Trump has brought in a lot of new mm-hmm. folks to the party that are unaware of some of these uh, long-standing rules. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this would be some of the things that you would vote on. Absolutely okay. right. Mm-hmm. So what? So that is that to me. That's been a huge problem uh, with the communication and explaining to people that they want to get involved in the Republican Party. They show up, they voted in the primary, and then they feel disenfranchised. Right. So that to me is one of the biggest challenges that we have because uh, we don't have the super delegates like the Democrat Party does. Correct. I agree, and it's interesting because. 
the rules are in place. And I cannot tell you how many people, when I sent out an email that I was running, who are you going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for? And I said, well, actually, the committee woman is not sworn in until the Thursday after the convention, so I don't get to vote for anyone. I'm not running for <laughs> national delegate. That's a nice out. Yes, it is. <laughs> wonderful. I mean, but it was so funny. Then they keep trying to press me. Mm-hmm. Well, who are you going to vote yeah. for? I said, it's irrelevant. <laughs> I, mean, I can't do that. But if I had a choice, yeah. I would not want to change the rules right. in the middle of the game. Yeah, and that's, I mean, frankly, that's been the frustration is they, they have had rules changes. I know in 2012 they changed the rules uh, in a little bit of a way that people complained that protected Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. And ironically, those same rules were the ones that put in Donald Trump. So <laughs> uh, I think that maybe speaks to your point where – don't change the rules right. every convention because it because may have you don't like this the way law of this law of unintended consequences Absolutely. has a has a uh, a system um, in place that it will come back and bite you in the rear. I agree, one hundred percent. Now you talked a little bit about fundraising, um, and this this does impact local elections significantly I think uh, clearly the Republicans have a lot of Senate seats to protect this mm-hmm. year so the funds you bring in you really need to look and say which races can we win yes which mm-hmm. races yes if we put in the right money and strategically operate right. win and which ones are lost causes and uh, they do that absolutely okay. and I'm glad you brought that up because a few years ago when Saxby Chambliss ran for re-election he had to go to a runoff, runoff yeah. and I was his volunteer coordinator and we had done everything on our own with with all of our resources and everybody that on our staff money, we raised you know. our money and everything but the minute that we went into that runoff you, the the forces came down they sent <laughs> i've never seen anything like it i mean i was kicked out of my office i mean not te- i mean just it was yeah. wild and th- they had a strategy uh-huh. they brought in the money they brought in the people and they camped out they stayed mm-hmm. here until he won so yep. that's exactly what they well, did and you saw that a couple years ago uh david purdue won here in georgia in mm-hmm. the army RNC put in a huge effort, and they, they really paid for staffing the victory offices, mm-hmm. which had the trickle-down effect and helped the governor in all of mm-hmm. our down, most mm-hmm. of our down-ballot races mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, and we also saw that uh, they got rid of uh, Air Mary in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I had several friends right. that were huge uh, workers for the David Purdue team, mm-hmm. and when she went to a runoff, uh, they dumped they in. They went out there. They all right. went over mm-hmm. to dump That's uh, what Mary they did. Landry. So that, to me, is a huge part. Now, for you... Uh, as national committee woman, what input would you have on that kind of strategic uh, work? Or would you be able to vote on things, or is that at an even higher level? Uh, I think that that's, there are different committees, and that might even be on the budget committee. And I think some of those vote on that. Okay. So well, I'm not um, really sure. Wanted to talk a little bit about uh, improving the. Uh, the Republican Party's brand with women. I guess uh, maybe we should go ahead and take our break here before the uh, we get about one minute. Uh, for me, improving the Republican Party's brand uh, with minorities and with women and with almost every group that the Democrats do well with, I think that, again, that's about communication and education. And uh, clearly you've been a Republican uh, woman leader for a long time now. And maybe some of the, the hurdles that, that you've seen or maybe that uh, it's all a big myth and that it's all a bunch of brainwashing from the Democrat Party and a leftist media. We'll be back in a couple minutes with uh, wrapping up with Ginger Howard here. You are listening to Greg's List on America's Web Radio, and we'll see you in a minute. Thanks. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out 
and when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Wrapping up a great show today, had Lane Flynn on, a candidate for House District 81, one of the few competitive Democrat versus Republican districts here in the state of Georgia. And wrapping up our segment here with Ginger Howard, who's a uh, candidate for National Committee Woman to represent Georgia at the RNC. And um, that election will be coming up on June 4th at the state convention in Augusta. Yet your term won't actually start until after the Cleveland convention. Correct. Which I believe is an important distinction very important, for people Greg. to Thank look you. at because you won't actually be casting a vote at the uh, convention. And we really have seen a, <laughs> a civil war erupt in the GOP. Yeah. And it's been unlike any that we've had uh in my in my memory, mm-hmm. uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure people will bring up the 1976 one uh, mm-hmm. between uh, Ford and uh, Ronald Reagan, and the 1980 uh, one as well. But um, the uh, the party unity seems to be something that is extremely important for people that are on the national committee level to uh, really address. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm 100% on board with you, and your 80% friend is not your 20% enemy. Mm-hmm. And if we we were talking in this break a little bit that Greg and I were saying how many people are so divided over this election and that I believe that one of the things that we're doing is we're focusing more the things that are dividing us instead of the things that are uniting on uniting us all together and eric erickson said something the other night that i was telling a friend about today he said this is probably the first election i've ever seen people actually lose friends over Mm -hmm. that is how vicious it's gotten and that's a sad state of affairs and if we don't come together and unify as one then we can just watch hillary take the yeah. Oath of office. And the other problem would be the down-ballot races that we would end up losing. The Senate is going to be hard enough to keep. And um, I think that the the the, polls, the polling numbers that we've seen for the primary were actually very accurate. They, they were. They were Trump more accurate. Win, they, <laughs> they, they, they were right. <laughs> and we have seen a tightening of the race between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Basically, neither party is 100% on board with both candidates. Is that fair to say? I think it's very okay. fair to say. Is that and I think both, correct? <laughs> both sides are maybe anti-Trump, anti-Hillary, that they're saying I'm voting against the yep. other one and not rah-rah my candidate. Now, right. there are several that are rah-rah, and, and, but yep. as a whole, we've seen that. Yeah, and, and I think it's been especially um, destructive for the Republican Party to have – such uh, lines in the sand drawn where you've got the the hashtag never Trump people mm-hmm. versus the people that just yell Trump to every question <laughs> that you may have. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just it's been only nearly two weeks since, um, you know, the Republican field narrowed down to, to one candidate. So I would ask for a little bit of patience from both sides. Is that too much to ask? No, that's, I, I'm 100% on board with you. As you know, everybody that knows me knows Rick Perry was my number one fan. And I I think you were his, his only <laughs> fan there, but uh, I'm kidding. No, he, I, that's okay. Everybody says we like, that. I see, I can joke with my friends and Ginger's not going to defriend me on Facebook exactly. and scrawl graffiti on my Instagram page because I made a joke about Rick Perry. Now, contrast that to, to some of the other supporters that are zealous of, uh, zealous supporting their candidate and they'll you know they'll pretty much you know black this is true this is true so after rick got out i took to the bed for a week and cried and cried and (laughs) And she's not kidding and i know everybody absolutely cried a lot but then i had to get back in and and we just have to keep doing that we have to keep getting back up and we can't we can't give up but i do sense that i have to tell you the minute rick perry got out i'm literally 30 seconds. It was like he, and I'm not going to mention which campaign, but someone from this other campaign on the Republican side called me. Meanwhile, I'm hyperventilating, crying, going, hello. And he said, hey, this is so-and-so from so-and-so's campaign. We'd love to have you on board. I lost it. I thought that he is not even in the grave and they're calling me to head up this campaign. No. So please, I agree with Greg. So you felt that kind of firsthand. Well, I will say I was uh, a pretty ebullient uh, supporter of Scott Walker and very outspoken about him. I thought he had a uh, a great narrative, a great story, successful conservative leadership that had enough of uh, pragmatism, that good old Wisconsinness, 
Anyway, he drops out very quickly, ran through a lot of money, right. was clearly not running a very fiscally conservative <laughs> campaign, and the, 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 the ink had dried on his um, pulling out of the process, and I was approached by several folks, and I, and I, I was just like, look, y'all don't want me. I'm bad luck. Right. So I kind of sat it out for a while, jumped back in a little bit with Rubio, and then the big hands, little hands debate happened. And oh, I, you know what? I, I just... <laughs> I, I, I like to have the poetic license to, to make jokes. To, I always think of myself as kind of a right-wing yeah. Bill Maher. Yeah. And so if you can't take a joke about your candidate, then you probably don't want to listen to Greg's list. But again, Absolutely. Don't, let's not condemn people for not jumping on the new bandwagon or the Trump train immediately after uh, the Cruz campaign, which I think Cruz, besides Trump, had had the most passionate support. They did. Uh, and, and, and they still do. I still see they still people do. trying yes, to yes. say, we're going to res- re- resuscitate Cruz at the convention, which I, I, I don't think is is going to happen, but uh, there are people they're rumbling still about that. So I just I think you just need to give and people I feel a their little pain. bit of time. I mean, Chris Chandler <laughs> used to tease me. He would call and say, "Ginger, it's not going to happen." I said, "I'm still praying for a resurrection of Rick Perry." So I understand their pain and I know their thoughts. I'm eternally optimistic. Yeah. Well, and that's that, and that isn't that what we need to get back to being optimistic right, though. Right. This pessimism that we'll, we'll never. Uh, be as good as we were, that we won't be able to right the ship, that big government is going to end up winning, winning, that the left is going to gain control over the Supreme Court and, and, and destroy all of our, uh, uh, in, in, the Bill of Rights that have, you know, really separated America from the rest of the world. Yes, last night I spoke to a Tea Party group and I said the exact same thing. I said, we've got to get away from the doom and gloom. America's best days are ahead of us if we make wise choices and we have to have hope. As long as there's life, there's hope. And one of Ronald Reagan's nicknames was the Great Communicator. Uh-huh. And he said, I, they called me the Great Communicator. I really was not a great communicator i just communicated great things and that's what i feel i want to do as national committee mm-hmm. woman is communicate great things communicate hope communicate mm-hmm. what we have in common and not, not the yeah. things that divide us yeah and for me a lot of republicans some of the school of thought is we've got to get away from the social issues and my tour of uh, young republican and college republican uh Campuses and meetings, and actually any kind of Republicans, is the some of the social issues need to remain intact. Pro life, for example, is certainly one that our platform needs to concentrate on. I just think the, the messengers of that certainly need to change. Uh, I had a friend mention to me the other day that, you know, Greg, why are you supporting Ginger? Uh, you're she's a big social conservative, and, and you're not as much. And I said, well, it's because I'm not as big of a social conservative that we need Ginger Howard uh, as our person because it is important to keep those issues alive and well and, and part of the Republican Party platform. We just need to explain them uh, better. Um, now, I, of course, I'm not referring to the gay marriage debate, I believe, unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, that ship has sailed. The Supreme Court has decided on that. We're not making any new friends by uh, continuing to fight that narrative. But again, that's why me and Ginger get along. She could disagree vehemently yes. <laughs> with me on that issue and still we will remain Facebook And I friends. do, but that's okay. <laughs> I love Greg anyway. <laughs> so you've got a forum tonight up in uh, Cobb, Cobb County, Cap, Marietta. Right. Mm-hmm. So a GYR, uh, Georgia Young Republicans mm-hmm. are putting on a, a National Committee Woman Forum. Right. Uh, so basically the people that are going to be voting for you, you have to be a delegate. Correct. At the state, at the state convention. convention on June 4th. You have had to go through your process of going to your district meeting, your county meeting, and all of the above. And 
you were and, chosen. And, and I think it's important for people to, to understand that the policy part versus the actual working <laughs> part. Because you remember I ran for second vice chair for the state yes. a few years ago. And I got questioned all the time, how was I going to stop Agenda 21 <laughs> and all these <laughs> issues that I, I told people I would look into it. But my job was really to help. I'm sure. Are you getting the oh, same yes, agenda? I mean, okay. I really, I say, I wish I had that much power. I'm uh, not. So I'm you, you deflected even better than me. I, I gave people false hope and told them I'd look into it. I, I'm not saying I'm looking into it. I'm sorry. I'm not looking yeah, into it. Well, okay. Yeah, you know, I perhaps I should have taken that tact as well. That uh, my God, if they gave me enough power, I'd stop all of it. But they didn't. I should have just done that. But uh, I did look into it a couple of times. And frankly, if some of these conspiracies were real, then there's not much not much hope Absolutely. for us. Absolutely, <laughs> you're right about that. Well, cool. Well, listen, um, uh, people, you have a you have a website. I do. GingerHoward.net. Okay. You can go and find out where I stand on all these issues, and also my Facebook page is Ginger for Georgia. So go like me for Ginger for Georgia, and um, on Twitter I'm at Ginger for Georgia. Now we've got some big parties coming up in uh, in the Augusta. Augusta is known as the party capital of the state of Georgia. That's right. I'm being a little facetious <laughs> there, but we're going to make Augusta great again. We are going again. to have so June much fun. June 3rd and June 4th. I know you've got some special events planned. I will be emceeing a uh, special event with uh, Leo Smith, and um, and you, you, there'll be more information about that coming out later, but some really exciting things. And it's going to be so much I'm fun. I'm really excited about your... Some great things. And Governor Rick Perry is going to be our keynote speaker for the dinner that mm-hmm. night, so that's going to be fun and it's going to be a great weekend yep it is i uh, i've already rented out my my pad on airbnb.com oh good for uh, you basically i was going to run for national delegate but now that it's been kind of decided i'm not i don't know if i'm going to waste my time john padgett was at the fulton gop breakfast on saturday and he said they've received more than 200 applications so if somebody desperately wants to go ahead of greg williams then uh I'll probably let him go. So my goal will be to help get you elected on that Saturday, and then it'll be. Off That's right. To you'll the be, pool. be you'll be busy doing that. Then it'll be to, then it'll be off to the pool. That's right. So, to celebrate. Yeah. So we'll we'll just have to see what happens. But again, I, uh, I I'm hoping some of these uh, national delegate candidates realize that there's not going to be a whole lot of drama um, in Cleveland. Perhaps there is. Perhaps there's an attempt at shenanigans. I don't know. But uh, at any rate, th- let's not ruin the Saturday for everybody. So I appreciate you guys listening. Ginger Howard, Lane Flynn, thank you for appearing as guests in studio today on Greg's. It's always nice to have people with you in person, but uh, we do take a lot of phone-in guests as well. We'll see you next week on Greg's List. Thanks for listening to AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.